any path that you decide to take, make sure that is something that you could get better at. I just spend a huge part of my day just watching and observing things and not not doing it passively, but doing it in a way where I could interpret it into something, like process it into something and see how maybe this might fit into this or that. So it's like learning. You are now listening to We Are Crayons, the podcast. Conversations with Trinidad and Tobago's creative thinkers and makers. We'll delve into their processes, their struggles, and what drives them to execute continually as creative individuals. I'm your host, Danu McNichol. Do enjoy. And today we have with us creative entrepreneur, Quincy Ross. Quincy, welcome to the show, bro. Thank you, sir. Thank <laughs> you, sir. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And I'm paying this one time. Yeah. You're doing a good work. And I, I appreciate it. And I think a lot of people appreciate it as well. Coming from you, I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> right? So, Quincy, mm. let's get started. Give me some background on you. How you grow up. All right. Um, I, I could put forward what I know. Mm-hmm. And I think this might probably help me learn some things about me too. Right. <laughs> because That's it's good. something that you don't really... At least I don't really study that much, you know, mm-hmm. don't spend much time thinking about how you got to this position. Right. But if I could go way back, I mean, creativity was always part of my life growing up with my father being a musician. I mean, he left the police service as an inspector of the police band. So there's that. My mother also was a, well, she's a teacher by profession and she is also a singer. Um, she could play guitar, that kind of thing. Uh, my father was multidisciplined too. He could play trumpet, flute, clarinet, some drums, you know, keyboards, that kind of, he could fiddle with the keyboards and thing. Um, so I kind of come up with music around. My mother also was a, a kind of entrepreneur when I, when I thought back because mm. she was into like selling paintings and, you know, a number of the little small projects that right. she used to do here and there. Yeah, so yeah, I yeah. think I infusion of all those things over the time. I was just exposed to that sort of thing. And I think also one of the big things, I remember having a conversation with my mom saying, um, why you used to take loans for to go on vacation? To me, I was like, that don't make sense. Mm-hmm. You know, why you take, why you paying yourself in debt? And she said, she wanted to let me see that the world was bigger than Mova. Mm-hmm. Yeah, then when she said that, I was like, I was kind of, you know, struck at that. Is that a recent conversation? Or? That conversation happened when I was already working, probably in my third agency or so. That conversation happened because I was working on bank stuff. So I imagine that might have probably be by Englefield. And what that did was put in my mind the perspectives that I have. You know, I always think bigger than Trinidad from ever since. You know, before internet and all this, I was thinking global ideas. Only because I think global ideas make sense. Heading. Things like that kind of shape where I was heading. Um, I always had a kind of unconventional approach to what I was doing, even school. I did business subjects in KRC, which is, which is the school I passed for. But after that, I ended up at Biotire Senior Comprehensive doing sixth form there, econ and history. And I just saw some friends, two in particular, a friend Renny Best, who came from KRC with me too, and Bedawi Asing. They were in um, the art class. And I was like, I think I could do that. You know, seeing them coming to school and sketch pad and thing. I was like, I feel I should be doing that instead of, you know, history and that kind of scene. I feel so. 
even though history was cool and his reading and his stories, I thought applying myself in that way to art and design might make more sense. And they had a real good teacher too, which was Norris Eiton, um, who was the curator of the museum at the time, I believe. And I was like, yeah, let me, let me try this. And that was the start of me considering this as a career path. So when you finished school, what was your next level? What, what you did when you finished school? <laughs> Some fun things. The main one being got a job in service commission. Oh, I think that's a like on the job training kind of thing, right? Which is a, a common thing for, you know, people around that time. That was the 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 um gateway to the good government work that is right. talk about, right? <laughs> So I got this job processing checks and I went the Monday and it was cool because I get to put on my little linen pants and my shirt and I had a nice US dollar tie and what, uh, Levi shoes, yeah, cut out, it was nice. Then I realized I had this work to do and I got faced with this, um, remember them dot matrix printers, you used to print on the blue and white paper, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. They have a long sheet of that. And he had to go across and make sure all the figures correct and make sure it corresponded to the checks and balance off something at the end and all that. So I did it the first day. The second day I came to work, I did that. I went and met a friend for lunch. I take an extra long lunch. <laughs> and I realized I wasn't totally conscious of it at the time, but I realized I kind of didn't want to go back to work. The Wednesday, I went to work with a terrible headache and... I didn't go for lunch that day. I just worked straight through, try to get out as much as I could because I wanted to go home one time. The Thursday, wake up, I was feeling real horrible. I didn't go to work the Thursday. Thursday night, actually, my mom was in the States. Right. I called my mother and I said, I don't like how I'm feeling. I don't think I'm going back to that job. You know? It was weird because, A, I'm not really a quitter like that, mm -hmm. but I didn't have a solid enough reason to say I'm leaving other than I just wasn't feeling it. You know? It wasn't feeling right. For some reason. And then in that time is is a government work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So my mother tell me that from the state. Pops was more like, well, you know, you know what you're doing, kind of thing, and make sure, but they cast it on around here and laps, kind of thing. And I didn't even know how to resign from a job. <laughs> you know. I didn't think I have to add to anyway, because it wasn't that kind of job yet. So I went the Friday in regular clothes and talked to my supervisor and told her, I don't think I could do this. And she said, well, what you want to do? What are you going to do? I was like, well, think I'm going to be an artist. And she had a good laugh. <laughs> she had a laugh at that. And I don't understand why mm. she laughed. <laughs> but yeah, um, but that Friday, I was like, nah, I can make. So I worked there for a week, more or less. And then did a number of things like, uh, like cars from ever since. So I work as an apprentice in, in a garage a little bit. And um, a friend of mine at the time, well, a girlfriend actually at the time, who had real belief in me, was kind of pushing me to do more. And I saw this ad in the newspaper for Alion Agostini. It was for a copywriter. Had no idea what a copywriter was at the time. But the ad itself was a sort of a, a, like a rough layout of an ad. And the copy was something to the effect of, if you could finish this ad, you know, we want you kind of thing. I took that to mean finish the ad. So I do a layout, <laughs> do my design, write over the copy, that kind of thing, and send it in. It got my interview. I went with a portfolio of like billboard designs and call cards and all them kind of things. 
And the conversation was interesting because when Phil Ali Young said, all right, these things looking good, but when give me something that they write, I sell my application letter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he do just that, he laugh, right? And he was like, well, if you could come in here and sell yourself so good, I think you'll make a good ad man. And I'll give you a try for $40 a day. I said, all right, cool, let me try that. And that was it there. How long were you in the advertising scene? And I know you worked at other agencies as well. Well, yeah, I was at Alion Agassi for, that would be two and a half years. Met a lot of good people there, actually. To date, I think that was one of my best agency experiences. You know, in terms of the learning, in terms of the environment. From there, I went to Valles and Torrey. After that, I went to Inglefield. Then um, I went to Publicis. So you spent all that time as a copywriter. But the interesting thing is you didn't know what copywriting was at the start. At the start. Yeah. So I am thinking in my trying to figure out in mind, how did you get yourself to the point that all these people recognize, yo, this guy is good at this right. thing. How did that happen? <laughs> well, the truth is, I think I was always a better writer than I was an artist. If not only, I can't separate myself from that type of art. Um, I, I'm much more open to criticism and, and, you know, working with writing. I can't explain why, but mm -hmm. that's just how it is. So what happened was the design work that I learned, mm -hmm. right, design stuff that I learned in school and um, even coming up and learning from people, I use that to kind of fuel how I write. So I write with visuals in mind. I will write to the point where um, I think I have a more holistic view of a, of a project, of a task. Mm -hmm. And I could see where, okay, something that a lot of writers do do, this don't need no set of company. You know, you don't need to take the, the front row. Mm -hmm. This headline don't need to be magnificent. It could be one word, it could be a letter, it could be small. And the visual could make this thing great. I actually spend my time as a copywriter learning from the artist more than anything else. Um, I could call a couple writers that I learned from. Miranda Bedal was one. Oh, she's Lachlan now, sorry. <laughs> Royal King was one. Brilliant writers now. And they taught me certain things. But I really learned a lot from people like Greg Marfan, who is a designer. You know, he's a proper artist. You know, Gregory Pumel, Vikash, you know, Rampasad. You know, people that, that were able to and willing to share with me design concepts. Mm -hmm and show me how copy and how writing will fit into making and enhancing these things. So yeah, you end up with a, a total view, a holistic nice. view. I think it was also, um, and I need to say, it was also a, a, a lot of openness on my side in that I could have say, I just want to hear from writers. You know, and knowing that like Greg, we used to say all the time, you know, I ain't no writer, but, but he know what a good finished ad is. And I was open to taking criticism and taking advice and taking the lead from somebody that, was, that wasn't necessarily doing the exact discipline, which is writing, but somebody that understands the role and the purpose of writing. And, you know, no barriers, you know, very open, willing to do the work. And I think people realize that they, they saw that interest and they were willing to put out. And I was thankful for the time that it took. When you see just how there's move, you know, when they see the work that they're putting out, you know, hey, there's a boss, you know, I can listen to something. Ken Scott, you know, you know that he's a boss. And if he take any time to tell me something, maybe I should listen. Does your creativity 
do you find that it comes to you easily or is that something that you have to struggle with sometimes? I would say for the most part, it is easy. I think the the bigger picture might be the more difficult thing, but again, over practicing it over the years makes it easy in that I um, kind of dwell in that space. I kind of always thinking about things and ideas. So if I have a stockpile of ideas that I wouldn't wait until I have to do something to go and look up and see what I will more or less draw from something that I thought about before. And I kind of think that's tying to the role of the artist. I think the role of the artist in society is to observe and compliment and talk and, you know, tell stories and share. So when you have a log of stories, I mean, and I just live my life in that kind of way. A lot of people know me as a very wayward individual. I will pick up myself and just go about the place by myself and sit down in a bar and lime by myself and just watch, you know, or just go somewhere and sit down and just watch, take, you know, what's going on. And you end up with all these stories and up with all these references that they could tie back a brief, a brief mind say we want to talk, to talk to XYZ person and tell them ABC. And it'll be like, I remember this time I sat down in such and such a place and this happened. What about if we take this and we convert it like that? You know, it's problem solving really, yeah? So yeah. But in terms of that practice, and I think that's, that's like really important, is like digging the well before you need the water. No? Exactly. Yeah? Yeah. Um, so is that something that you uh, like, you're writing down, you know, you have a little notepad that you take with you all over the place. So it's just like injecting in your brain. and it in your brain. It in your brain. I have this saying, I tell people, if the idea forgettable, I don't want to remember it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's deep though. Yeah. That's deep. That's so deep. yeah, usually, usually something that I would, that I would rely on or that I'll come back to, I should say, is something that, just in there, and I was so stellar, I wouldn't forget it. You know, uh, even in a brainstorm, the ideas that, or the idea that they'll come up with that is the idea, I find nine times out of ten would be the one you walk away from the brainstorm and you do have to go back to the notes to remember that one. As you want to jump out and stick with you. Um, and if you start with that, then more or less wherever you, de- you develop from that going to be as impactful and have that kind of you know, top of mind. Is there something you need to do to put yourself in a creative frame of mind? You just mentioned going and sitting in bars and, mm-hmm. and observing, but is there like, do you have a routine? Do you do anything in that kind of sense? Well, to be totally honest, it is a, a combination of things that just amount to me being comfortable. It could be anything from fragrances, mm-hmm. which I, I like a lot. So I have a lot of incense and that kind of thing. Sometimes it's just being open. I mean, straight up alcohol, you know, mm-hmm. sipping a, a nice beverage. Sometimes it's relax, man, open yeah. up. But it's just really being comfortable enough to explore. And coming back to what mom kind of did, just open up to the larger world. Not being afraid of exploring things that might song outside of the norm, outside of what you know. Would you say that you've had to sacrifice anything to do what you're doing now? Hmm. Good question. Um, yeah. Yeah. Tell me about that. Over the years, working, especially working in agencies, as you know, agencies are very deadline-oriented thing. Tight deadlines, a lot of deadlines. And um, if you approach the work in the correct way, 
you kind of do have a time to be creative. So you don't have a time that you switch on and switch off. You're kind of doing it right through. And you could tend to be somewhat of a, you know, a, a will zombie, somewhat. But also, you find yourself at some extreme down periods too, both from being exhausted from working that hard mentally, and then just the mental fatigue of having to use that same brain to deal with regular day-to-day things, right? I think my personal life real suffer, and that's something that I had to sacrifice, you know, over the time because it's been difficult sometimes dealing with people when you're in a certain space. And it's manifested itself in a whole set of different ways. Something that a lot of creatives go through to, well, a lot of creatives that I talk to will go through, and I experience it strongly as like that whole self-doubt kind of thing. And that was going to be my next question. Right. <laughs> so tell me. So let's get into it. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That has happened, you know. It's yeah. have times, especially when you're doing things that might be innovative. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're going down a path. You have a sound justification of why I reached to this. And you're going, you're doing it. But then you might share the idea with one or two people. The response that you get back might make you kind of doubt that. Now, there are times that you'll take it just at the surface. You might probably start to poke some holes in the thing for yourself. And you may or may not come up with a solution. But then there are other times that it might hit you at your core. And it might shatter you. And you might be like, I wonder if I'm doing the right thing. You're mm-hmm. second guessing. At those times, to come back to what I was answering before, I personally don't be a really good person to be around. Not that I'd be disrespectful or right. out of a body, but I'd just be kind of absent. It will manifest itself in different ways. Like I might be in a relationship and I'm just not on the phone messaging you or calling you or checking up on you. or. Or if you live in together, you might find her out mm-hmm. because I just don't want to go in a space with somebody else. Mm-hmm. Start taking my time driving around in a car, you know, things like that. That at the time when they start to defend it, you it know, sounds kind of. Well, at, sometimes they don't even bother to go into that. Right. I mean, how you explain, well, yo, I had a slump and I just feel into driving around and not be around you. It might end up coming out as, yeah. now nah, I was just driving around and I yeah, think. Yeah. And when you bring a vague answer like that on the table somebody well within their right and not accept it but then you start to get upset that they don't accept us just driving around but you're not giving them the whole story you know back and forth like that in terms of being in the business or, or, or doing what you're doing for so long what has helped you to keep at it hmm. stupidity <laughs> 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 nah, but um it's almost like um i think by nature this is just what i am mm. i think i was fortunate to discover it and i was always thankful i think that that kind of shaped a lot of my attitude towards what i do i was always thankful that i get to wake up and do what i do every day to make an end you know um, it could have been something else that's what i said that i actually tell people People are working creative departments with me and that kind of thing. Like, you're supposed to be happy that you could come to work and design something, you know, and get to use that skill. There are a lot of people that are not doing what they're good at every day, you know, and I think you should be glad for it. And the way that is show gratefulness for things like that is doing your best. So I don't know what else I would do if I wasn't doing this. I think if I didn't have such an outlet because, I mean, Coming back to us, motivate people, um, mastery, autonomy, and purpose. If I was just being creative in a realm that it didn't really make an impact per se, 
that I can't say things like, you know, I set up this business and look at it blossoming or, you know, I get people to do this or I change a behavior or present an idea, you know. If I was doing it in a realm that I wasn't able to get that, it would have been problems, you know, because I probably might have be feeling bottled up and caged up and want more people to hear. Um, who knows what social media might have bring to the table, mm -hmm. but I might have branch across in that anyway. You know? So, yeah. In general, as a creative person, mm -hmm. how do you view the acceptance or people acceptance of you or your ideas? Um, I think it has value. I think justification has value. You would want the right people to acknowledge that they acknowledge efforts. And what we do by virtue of advertising, you could see tangible benefits that, I mean, you'll, you'll get them whether or not somebody voice it. So, for example, if you do a sales promotion and people actually buy, that's justification. Because sometimes there are instances where, I mean, there are a lot of things that I do that people will walk up to me and say, hey, good job, you know, but I know it happened. And that's the things that is, at least I just feel proud of. I told somebody the other day, and actually I say it a lot on, on social media groups and things. When you look at social media and you see people saying, um, give the agency a raise, mm -hmm. and this is a great ad, mm -hmm. and things like that, I don't take that as too much of a praise. Actually, I think that is when the, the consumer seeing the trick, right? Sorry, the song's so sin mm -hmm, sinister, mm -hmm. but no. that's when they see the sleight of hand. So that's like any magic show. And you're saying, hey, um, I like how you hide that dove in your sleeve and then pull it out at this time to make it appear like if it wasn't there before. Take a clap, you know what I mean? You don't see the trick, so it's not a trick. It's not impressive anymore. But when you, when Squeezy come off the market and you had to migrate the brand to Quicks because you want to kind of save somebody, you can't use the name and thing again, but you want to kind of maintain the brand integrity and the goodwill. And they had to migrate that and they went through a whole process to do a migration. And you see pics coming off the shelf still. Yeah, I feel good about it, you know. Nobody don't care. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, 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 consumer yeah. coming down. Yeah. They might read a couple of things and yeah. feel, I right, think, never buy this. Mm -hmm. And they're gone. I mean, that is a small part of their day. But for me, it's a big win. <laughs> mm -hmm. On the other side of that, though, has rejection of your ideas impacted you in any way? And how do you deal with that? I have a strange relationship with rejection. Like I say, I'm much more open to rejection by virtue of strategy and copy and them kind of things versus my, my actual art, which probably is why I'm a worse artist than I am a writer. <laughs> right. <laughs> right? I hear you. Um, but for me, for a long period, rejection was just part of the learning. Mm -hmm. I am from the school where there are many ideas to achieve something, many good ideas to achieve mm -hmm. something. If you come up with an idea and somebody says, well, I don't like this, you can come up with another one. And that's, that for me is, you know, like a challenge. So I like that. The only thing I would ask is, and what I hate is just, I don't like this full stop. Then I can't do nothing. At that point, mm -hmm. that type of rejection is frustrating and mm -hmm. annoying. I don't like this because X, Y, Z, and it's a valid reason or don't matter be valid. It just needs to be a reason because it could just be your preference. Even if you say, this is my preference, mm -hmm. I prefer X, Y, Z, I could do something with that mm -hmm. and that is fine. But yeah, rejection of ideas is part of it. 
ideas will be rejected. Can't get away. Let's talk about what you're working on. The main thing right now is a web presence that I'm creating called Chudat. It is a different approach to creating content. At the core of it is a deviation from the traditional agency mm-hmm. setup. Right? I believe that, um, and this is not to bash agencies or bash tradi- traditional advertising or anything like that, but traditional advertising has a language. It has a, a formula and it's based in persuasion. Right? So because of that, you have this more or less lateral type structure where a client will bring a product to the table. Um, agencies will tender for it. On getting the account, they will assign or hire creatives to work on it. That is like client slash product driven. And really what you're doing is you're bringing creatives to deliver on a product, right? The modern landscape is something that is more governed by influence, right? And influence is a more ongoing daily storytelling type thing where to connect with people on that level, you had to first be, they had to be interested in what you're talking about, you know? So you had to kind of create stories that people want to hear, you know, um, talk about things that people are interested in talking about. That means that they can't really start with the product or you ought not to start with the product. You ought to create real authentic conversations, you know, real things, and then you could get products to align that align with this story properly. Or you could find ways to align the product to the story. But the story itself needs to be real, Mm -hmm. right? And with that approach, I created Chudat, which is, well, my influence online is in food. Mostly, right? Right. Food creativity. So I'm doing this thing that is about food, but it's not about food. (laughs) In that it is conversations that happen around Mm -hmm. food in very different ways. Um, so it's more than just, you know, have a product that are using to make XYZ. The offline channels are still relevant today. You know, everybody want to jump on the, the digital mm-hmm. bandwagon. Mm-hmm. But what are your thoughts in terms of offline versus digital? Well, I was trained in social creativity from the DDB perspective. And social creativity is not social media creativity. But it is about that six degree of separation between people. And it's coming up with ideas that are shareable. However, that happens, you know, whether it be something that is an installation, whether it be an event, whether it be a publication I need to do, a movie or a TV spot, you know. Saying that to say, every channel that is available to us right now is a workable channel. And it's a matter of how you use it. Again, what digital has done to the landscape is not really changed the effectiveness of the landscape, but it has changed how the consumer uses the landscape. And it allows you now, the marketer, to do different things and make things better. For example, TV could now become digital. You could use Shazam on a TV spot, right? And probably whether it's a jingle or a straight-up TV ad, you can let people Shazam this to go to our website. You know, so essentially you could put like a digital element in your TV. You have QR codes and other um, scannable things that you could put in print, you know, things like that. So I think social creativity is more about understanding the different media channels, understanding the effectiveness, and then tailoring something that could 
basically spread a campaign around the same way we used to do it press radio tv you know outdoor that kind of thing you just add digital to the mix and it change the landscape up again as well what does the word creativity mean to you hmm. the word creativity means number one freedom and number two nothing is a problem creativity is the word creativity is there's a solution for everything and creativity doesn't apply in my perspective only to art and you know and writing and other things visual art and things like that i have a friend of mine he is an accountant and he's one of the most creative accountants i've ever <laughs> witnessed you know um he is extremely creative with how he applies his formulas and his solutions his strategies for business you know and you might find that there there's creativity in medicine there's creativity in business entrepreneurship in itself is creativity you know so creativity really for me is solution and, and not necessarily only in the field of art or the arts right 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 through your journey has there ever been any piece of advice, whether you read it, somebody told you, or anything that you still recall on to this day? Hmm. Yeah, actually, it's in, in, in school. I remember distinctly doing this um, design for a CD cover, right? It was like Soka 95. And these are the days where no computer and all that. You're going by CCS with your cutouts. And the electro set and they're making photocopy composites and that kind of scene. So that means I just don't want to cut out things, right? And I remember cutting out the word soka, I draw the letters for myself, and I cut them out and make my color copies, and it was glossy and nice and real on. And went and I presented for for exam. And Nurse I pointed out that they have a little fuzz around the S. You know, this looking a little fuzzy and look, they come over the line and that kind of thing. And I was like, oh yeah, I saw that, but my exacto blade was a little dull right there. Now. And he said, look, that's unacceptable. And you might need to do that over for me to give you a grade because as it is here, this is incomplete. And I was thinking with this man real ash though. You know, it's just a little fuzz. Everything else was spot on. The design looking good. You had to look real close to see that. And he was like, yeah, but the client not paying you to have a dull exacto blade, he paying you to have a sharp exacto blade. Or they are paying you to have a sharp exacto blade. So you had to step up, you know, <laughs> you had to make sure that whatever you're doing is perfect all the time. And that is something that 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 always kind of stay with me. You had to make sure. And I was doing it more on the side of yeah of concept and strategy to be honest because i think there is some wiggle room with certain types of production for example for me video production need to just have a certain level for it to be okay as, as long as your audio on point two you're good to go um, but more than that the idea need to be sound and well thought of and well executed in terms of how it presented you think? things like that that's what that word kind of stuck with me and influenced me what is your ultimate creative goal mm. and how attainable do you think it is <laughs> <laughs> the, well i'll start with the how attainable part mm. 
again creativity mm-hmm. we go see right you know so <laughs> i i always think that there is a way i always figure there is a way and i believe that i will eventually get to my goal right straight up i want to create a scenario where i'm not only doing the type of work that i want to do but also empowering others to be able to do the type of work that they want to do in a very real way you know i never had the desire to set up an agency per se but i know i used to say that in the traditional sense of it mm-hmm. you know i wouldn't want to have the same thing that i worked in before but more think tank kind of idea more of a a collaborative space with resources that creators could come in and use something that i could also give back and share what i learn and then as well collaborate with others and learn what they know as well and use their strengths and i give them my strengths and that kind of thing and create an environment where we could just do some cool stuff you know some cool impactful real stuff and start really showcasing the talent that we have because i believe we have world class talent here i believe we are amongst some of the most creative people in the world straight up and i ain't saying it flippantly i saying it looking at the quality of the memes that we spout <laughs> daily <laughs> yeah the, the quick too yeah exactly <laughs> quick too and and for most part these things coming from people who don't consider themselves creative exactly exactly we just have a high level i mean we bring steel pan and carnival to the world you know what i mean in our sense and and it good so like I would like to do something that could help people well like myself who for a long time didn't really have the means to do anything major people who probably might might need to discover that they have a talent you know um young ones coming up you know people in the industry who might want to outlet things like that my ultimate goal would be to set up something that people could come to what would you like to be most remembered for <laughs> change in the game yeah if i could i mean and to, to some extent i think i have some of that um but in the context of i think people will always say that you know he was he was a real creative you know he always used to do things the way he figure and he used to bring fresh ideas to the table and he would always put something in a new light and i'm glad for that but i also want to change the game in a real a real serious way you know like a major way i remember um like when we were doing four on one with anthony burnley mm-hmm. and stephen clark i was real proud of that because it was at a time when magazines was not a big thing really and we set a free magazine a lot of people in here about that i remember sitting down in a meeting and presenting the idea and somebody say straight up in the meeting well well you have to either be real rich or real stupid mm. to be given away this quality of magazine for free and it was funny because we all laughed at it because we understood that they didn't have the insights that we had and it was a simple case of look if you look at a, any one of the big magazines a sports illustrated at times or whatever, you see rules of like credits people mm-hmm. that work on this magazine mm-hmm. and the subscription some like five us there's no way that the, the sales alone could and pay all that plus pay the rent the monthly rent of a huge you know agency space and all this and pay for the printing and all that when you understand the place i had might be one point something million you know what i mean plus mm-hmm. that have special issues and all this 
then you understand where the revenue really coming from. And they change that into the context of in Trinidad paying for shelf space to put your magazine out to sell. And then when it finished the, the period, you had to get that out and you had to pay for storage or pay to get it somewhere. Then the transport to and through and all that make more sense to give away a magazine. Yeah, then when you're selling to the client too, if you put it on the shelf, you have sales figures to justify. If you're going to give it out, you know for sure without lying, you print 10,000, you're giving out 10,000. <laughs> you know, for sure. It's real metrics. So it makes sense to give away a free magazine. And I say all that to say, I was proud that somebody say, oh, they're real mad or, or real rich or real stupid because it means we was doing something real different. Yeah, and that's, that's the kind of thing I want to be known for. Got you. If you were to advise, you know, somebody just wants to express themselves mm -hmm. in a creative way, what advice would you give? Mm -hmm. Again, mastery, autonomy, and purpose. Well, first, you had to have, I think an artist is somebody with something to say and the means or the medium, the, the, the skill to say it, more or less. So that's whether you're a singer, a musician, a fine artist, mm -hmm. graffiti artist, whatever. But any part that you decide to take, make sure that it's something that you could get better at. I just spend a huge part of my day just watching and observing things and not, not doing it passively, but doing it in a way where I could interpret it into something, like process it into something and see how maybe this might fit into this or that. So it's like learning, right? The autonomy of it is not looking at what people, the way people did it before, but you seeing what's the best way that you could do it, you know, and being autonomous about that. Not in a standoffish or aggressive way to say it's my way or the highway, but in an innovative way, from the perspective of innovation, mm -hmm. try and innovate and then sell the idea, right? And purpose, try and do things that could impact, you know, try and find real causes. I mean, people already watch advertising and things like, you know, it's devil's work, <laughs> you know? Um, I don't think so. I think there are good products. I think there are bad products. I think there are things about bad products that could be good. I think there are things about good products that could be bad. But it's about people bringing our product to the table. It's about trying to be as real as possible about it, you know? I mean, that might sound weird to, to a lot of people listening to this in, in the perspective of advertising that is all bad. But I just don't think so, you know? Um, I think also with the direction that I go in now and the direction that we could go now with the involvement of digital, you could find a cause for a product that to be linked to. That doesn't necessarily say it is the best product in the world, but it says we involve in this. And I mean, if you're, if you're joining us, you're joining this kind of scene. And you could create reasons for people to buy products now as beyond the product itself. You know, so I think try and find a purpose for what you're doing and, and try to see if you could use your creativity to impact us, you know, make the world better. Purpose is key, paramount. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And clarity of that purpose too. Yeah. Yes, I hear that. So tell us, Quincy, where we could find more of your work, how we could follow you on your socials, all of that kind of good stuff. On Insta, chudat.tt. On Facebook, if you search chudat, you'll find it. And um, chudat.tt.com online. Well, Quincy, thanks for taking the time, bro. I really appreciate it. Hey, Amen. You know what I mean? And looking forward to all that you will be doing 
Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you, too. Well, this was fun. <laughs> Yo, what happening? This is Quincy Ross. And in a big box of crayons, I will be Rebellious Red. Please share this episode with anyone who would find it valuable. Subscribe to get new episodes on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review and a rating. It will help us find other listeners just like you. The show is also available on Stitcher or the podcast app of your choice. Find show notes and additional content on abigboxofcrayons.com. Follow us on Instagram at abigboxofcrayons. Send us feedback to info at abigboxofcrayons.com. We Are Crayons, the podcast is a production of A Big Box of Crayons. All rights reserved. Until next time, friends, remember, we are all the same in the fact that we'll never be the same. Stay colorful and thank you for listening.